Do you know that across the board, everybody in this room, you all were born probably within one or two pounds of each other? Between six and nine pounds. Some of you were big, fat babies. Maybe 12. Some of you may have been preemies. But if we were just honest, probably all of us in the room, if we go back and look at our birth records, we're all within five pounds of each other. I was 8.2 pounds, kind of midstream baby. But look at you now. Oh, we're way beyond five pounds. <laughs> some of us are still preemies and some of us are still big. But it's what time does to you. Because one thing about time, you can't cheat it. Time will tell everything going on in your life. It will tell whether you have a good marriage or a bad marriage. Because one thing I know, you cannot cheat longevity. It catches up with you. It's what I teach my daughters. I say, girls, God gives you your 20s to figure it out. You can quit jobs, start jobs, change degrees start degrees. God gives us our 20s to figure life out. You don't have to have it figured out at 18, 19. You got a good 10 years to, I like that job, hate that job, like this job, hate it. I started, I quit, I started, I quit. Tried three businesses, they failed. But I teach them by the time you're 30, you better figure it out. Because life takes us by surprise when we don't understand that everything we do right now will come back to haunt you later. The donut you eat today <laughs> Everybody with me? All right, just making sure. Just making sure. One donut doesn't hurt, but donuts over time can cause a problem. One argument with your spouse doesn't lead to divorce. I've never, ever, in 33 years of pastoring, ever met a couple that divorced over one argument. However, I have met a few that have divorced over an argument that continued to brew and they never found healing, and the healing turned to cancer, and the cancer ruined their relationship. Time. So here's the thought. Let's jump in. I want to give you a scripture of how I kind of want to land this plane in the next few weeks. That's been our thinking that everybody here, you get a bracket of time to live and the goal between that bracket of time is to understand God, to connect with God, to understand an eternal God in your bracket. Here's the scripture for today. Very important piece of scripture. Christ has set us free to live a free life. Come on. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Here's the thought I want to give you. Because we are bound to a system of time, I want to expose a harness of slavery that robs many followers of Jesus from living in the freedom. If Jesus made you free, and you're not free, whose fault would it be? We could say the devil, but then we got a, a hard debate because how could it be the devil if he's defeated? So really, a lot of my own slavery is self-induced slavery. Either I've not been taught well, or I tolerate things I shouldn't tolerate, or I don't believe it's true. 
Such as I look in the mirror and go, I can't figure out why my belly won't go. And then it only takes a friend like John at the gym to say, anytime you're ready to get your nutrition under control, call me. And I'm like, I'm not ready to control it right now. I just like whining. Right? Because that is the truth. It's like I know what to do. He's told me a thousand times, if you want to get your belly off, let me give you a plan of nutrition. And I go, well, I don't want it off that bad. So a lot of times there, there are freedoms that we're not experiencing and it's not because of Jesus or the devil. It's just because we've either not hit rock bottom and we're not desperate yet enough to really make the changes that will bring me the freedom. So many just tolerate kind of subpar marriage because it's not rock bottom yet and subpar marriage over time will be rock bottom. Guaranteed. So I'd like to talk to you about the things that rob us. I took them from my own life, and I hope it helps you, but I'm going to pick two fellas from the Bible to try to explain what I believe the harness is that robs all of us in relationship to time. Here's the two fellas. I want to talk to you about Adam and Noah. Uh, everybody pretty much knows the story, but here's, here's Adam. Let me give you the scripture of him. And the, to the man, God said, now this is after Adam ate the fruit. Don't know what kind of fruit it was. I'm going to go kiwi because I hate kiwi. <laughs> and the man, he said to the man, so God, that's God. And God said to the man in the yellow, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you and all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. So here's the problem. This is... Root, root problem number one with Adam. It's pretty simple, but show you it's not that big. He listened to his wife and ate a piece of fruit. We are where we are today because a man listened to a woman. <laughs> I'm just going to let that simmer a minute. I'm letting that one simmer. I'm not going anywhere with it. I'm just going to let it simmer. And I didn't say that. God said it. God's the one that said, because you listened to your wife. I want, we're gonna, Robin and I are going to be teaching on marriage and relationships starting in February. It's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you that didn't hear, she said, and we will start right there. <laughs> okay, you get the first sermon. I'll, I'll turn it over to you. But, it, you know, I, I won't go deep here. Uh, but in my Genesis class, I did. If you want to study it out, you can. But is it not kind of comical to you that every problem you see today is the result of a dude listening to his wife and eating a piece of fruit? I mean, there's no transgender issues, LGBTQ issues. There's no ex-laws, in-laws fighting. There's no divorce. There's no lawyers. There's nothing to get involved to mess it up. A piece of fruit and a woman. Here's Noah. Here, here's the deal with Noah. But what happens between Adam and Noah is something we have to deal with that we cannot get away from, and it's time. If you want to know historically the amount of time between Adam and Noah, 1,656 years from Adam till Noah shows up. I took 1,656 years and subtracted them from 2022, and we're about the year 330-something. America wasn't even here then. 
300, the year 330 some odd A.D. was when the problem, in, if we're talking about us, that means that the problem we're facing today in our, in our thinking would have had to have started in 330 something A.D. Meaning your great, 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 great grandfather was the problem that you're facing today. Like if we want to talk time, so from time I listened to my wife and ate a piece of fruit and what God is going to teach us in time, why would God put brackets up? Why would God bracket humans? Why not just let us live eternal? Why, why just let us keep going? Why does he shrink it down and give us a death date? Because by putting us in the middle of brackets, time is going to reveal the nature and character of God's kingdom. Through time, you understand that a seed planted produces fruit, but it takes time. You plant the seed, but God needs time. But the kingdom principle is you reap what you sow. That's a principle. But you need time to be able to see that principle. So if somebody says, well, you just need to start tithing and giving, and you do, well, next week you probably won't see a thing because it takes time to begin to go, the blessings of the Lord have overtaken me because I am a giver. I've reaped what I sowed. So God has to bracket your life, but in the brackets of life, that is where I'm supposed to challenge the nature and kingdom of God by giving it time. But, but you know as well as I do, we're not good with that. We're not good with time. Time irritates me. I need things quickly. When I pray, it needs to happen tomorrow. And then somebody says, but it probably won't be tomorrow. It might be 10 years from now. Do you have the faith that could pray the same prayer for 10 years and never waver? And I'm like, no, I don't have that kind of faith. Well, that's what you need, Mark, because if you waver, you get nothing. So here's what happened from a guy that ate a fruit and listened to his wife. By the time Noah showed up and we have time for a piece of fruit to turn into this. Here's Noah, what God said about Noah. As far as God was concerned, the earth had become a sewer. And there was violence everywhere and God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone was corrupt and corrupting. Life itself was corrupt to the core. Here's what it looks like 1,600 years later when you add time to a little bitty problem. It's a sewer that's corrupt and corrupt to the core. And now you know the story of Noah. So know this about time. It may be as simple as just a little bitty argument, but left over time, it will become a sewer of hatred and divorce. It's just one little negative thought about somebody, but give that negative thought a little bit of time and it will become putrid hatred of an enemy that you cannot stand. You don't even hear their name ticks me off. Because the way God intended it is to know that it's only time where the heart is revealed. You want to know what you really believe, give it time. You, know, you want to know what you believe about friends, just go have one and give them about 20 years and see what you believe. Don't tell me what you believe a week in. Let them hurt you, do you wrong, lie a little bit on you and see what kind of friendship you believe in that moment of time. Because time reveals all. 
You want to know what's in a man and a woman when they come to the altar? It's not their confession and the rings they swap. It's the seeds they plant over time. You will be able to tell if that man really loved that woman or not over time. So here's the ticket of what happens over time. And it's the challenge that I want to talk about, and it's this. I gave you a picture. Because we are bound to a system of time, time will expose the root cause behind all human problems, and it's rot. There's no escaping it. Brand new truck. Give it two years. Dents, dings, rust. Smells like Cheerios and a diaper. Rot. I took a picture of this, my back porch. I didn't even know it was there till Robin bought a puppy against my wishes. <laughs> and the puppy found it. He's like, yay, rot. And he just started eating all the rot, chewing it because it was soft. And then I realized in that moment as I looked at it and thought, I need to fix it. It's going to cost me, you know, a lot of time to figure this out. And then I got a little upset, like who would have put that kind of wood outside that's going to rot? Why didn't they use a pressure-treated wood? And then I got irritated at myself. I saw that there was a crack in it and should have caulked it, but I didn't caulk it because I was too busy. So because I didn't caulk it and because the person who built it didn't use pressure-treated wood, we both become a part of the problem. And I kept telling myself I need to paint this deck, but I didn't want to paint the deck because to paint the deck, I had to spray the deck because the deck had a little bit of mold on it because it's backyard and, and it, you know, just was going to have to have a lot and I'm always busy, I always have something to do. There's always, so, so just a little neglect. I mean, three years ago there was no rot, but it's a little neglect. It's just a little bitty pinhole in the caulk that really is no big deal. It's just a little piece of caulk. It's no big deal. But a little pinhole and a little bit of caulk causes a whole bunch of damage over time. And one thing I know, you can't fake this. You can't fake rot. You can ignore the hole in your ceiling and keep painting over it. But once you get up in the attic and realize the mold and the rot is everywhere. God, here's what's interesting. God put us in a system of time because it's in time where rot is exposed. And you really don't know your need for Jesus until you realize how rotten you are. And if you want to know how rotten you are, get some time under your belt. Because the moment you're born, you're not rotten. We love you. Oh, little pudgy, ball-headed, naked child. Aren't they adorable? Aren't they just the most adorable? Uh, and every human's like, oh, they're adorable. Oh, they're, you know why they're adorable? They've only been here a week. <laughs> There's nothing to rot. They're just a week. It's only the first, <clears throat> you're like, oh, they're kind of rotten. Oh, where did that come from, Right? But that's still expected. They're really not rotten yet. They're, they're just children. And, and then depending on how you parent them, we start categorizing whether your children are rotten or not. And that's based on how you've parented them over time. And now the, that little blessing of an angel is kind of this little rotten kid now that never obeys anybody because of the way you chose to parent him over the first five years of his life. 
We wouldn't tell you he's rotten because that would hurt your feelings. So we just let it sit there while he's rotten and he's never disciplined and done anything they want or anything she wants. But then about the time they hit 18, we realize, oh my God, they're rotten. And you go, oh my God, they're rotten. They don't listen to a thing. How did the rot get in? Where did the rot come from? Was it my fault? Is it the devil's fault? We try to figure it out. Must have been friends. Must have been the devil. Must have been me. It was my parenting. No, it wasn't. It was my, it's a genetic problem. No, it's just my kid's rebellious. No. So by the time they're 18, you realize that, uh, well, there's a lot of rot because now we have jails and prisons and youth detention centers and because time. Anybody ever seen a baby in detention center? Anybody ever seen a two-year-old locked up? No. Because it takes time to rot. I want to teach you what rots you from my perspective that I think is killing a lot of people and we wonder why we're not free Our marriages are broken, our lives are broken, our children are broken, my personal life is broken. Let's jump into it, I'll give it to you. What are the things that rot us from freedom? You remember the scripture, it is for freedom I set you free to live a free life. Well, what's the little crack in your caulk today? You see, we live in a generation in 2022, this is just my opinion, we tolerate cracks and caulk really well. Eh, it's okay, man. Ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> no big deal. We just love you. Ah, don't worry. We just love you. And that's true. We love you. But just know this. I love my deck. And the deck getting out there going, oh, he just loves us. Let's don't rot. <laughs> the deck doesn't care less if I love my deck or not love my deck, sitting on it or not. It could care less. All it knows is it's going to work a process of rot. And if I don't take responsibility for it, rot is just going to continue to breed. And I'm finding out that a lot of people are blaming the devil and Jesus. And it's simply because they keep ignoring the crack in the caulk of their life. And their life is rotting over time. And stop blaming God. It's not him and it's not the devil. It's probably you just keep ignoring the caulk thinking it's no big deal. And it is a huge deal over time. It might not be a big deal right now. We all think your marriage is wonderful, but eight years later, we're going to go, oh my God, I didn't know it was that bad. So I want to teach you the three things I've found that rot. I've lived them. I'm going to give them to you as I've lived them. So I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just tossing to you what I lived, and I'm trying to help you find freedom that I found. Is that okay? Here's the first one. Here's the question. Is there rot in your life ruining God's freedom? Here we go. The first thing that rots you is a dark mind. You want to know how rotten you are? It's not about what you do. It starts with what you think. Oh, you don't have to do a thing to hurt anybody. You just have to let that little rotten thought sit there for a while. The dark mind. I know we may look around and think, oh, oh, the Republicans, Democrats, look at our culture. None of that. The problem with our culture, our minds went dark. And a dark mind from 1950 when Lucy couldn't sleep with Ricky, got to be old enough to know that. Come on, I say it all the time. Anybody remember little Ricky couldn't sleep with Lucy? They had twin beds and they came up with little Ricky. How did that happen? Twin beds and they made little Ricky. Because on TV, we couldn't show a guy with a girl in the 1950s, a husband with a wife. Today, we show anything. Because from 1950 to 2022, we rotted. 
Our morals rotted. Our, our tolerance is rotted. Society rotted. And now you turn on TV and it's like, oh, or in the words of my youngest daughter, oh, dad, everything is that way now. Rot is everywhere. So I can either pull my daughter out of the rot and go, oh my God, come out of the rot, honey. Or I can train my daughter, honey, I'm going to train you how to get in the middle of the rot and caulk that stuff up so that they know who they are in Christ. Take responsibility, honey. So I'll try to teach our daughters is to take responsibility in the middle of a rotten world. Don't run from it. Own it. And get out there and be the light of the world. Here's the scripture. To see if you have a dark mind because that probably eliminates a lot. Thinking, well, whew, thank God my mind's not dark. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark. Now, if you want to read Romans 1, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, the, it's the text proof that everybody goes to to fight lesbianism, homosexuality, drunkenness, all of it. It's just a, oh, it's a, it's a chapter that's very interesting. But it starts out here, yes, they knew God. So here's what it tells me. You can know God and still have a dark mind. You can know all the lingo. You can know the creeds. You can sing hallelujah, great defender. And your mind still be dark. Your marriage still falling apart. You can come up and take communion and dip and cry and walk out and go, why am I life working? Because you took a dark mind out the door. So communion is not going to eliminate a dark mind. So what would eliminate a dark mind? Look at the green and look at the yellow. They would not worship and they would not give thanks. So as a result, meaning over time, over time, over time. No, you can skip church once, twice, three times. You can listen to the 70 channels every now and then or every day. But over time, you skipping and missing and being lazy and feeding yourself. And and over time, you become rotten. It's true with everybody. So to think, well, I, you know, worship and thanks. Look, you can have a terrible day on Monday. But if your life is riddled with negativity instead of thanks, you're on your way to rot. You know what I found out about most married couples? The reason they're rotten, the reason they want a divorce, the reason they're not having sex, the reason they're not getting along, the reason they can't communicate is they've accepted the rot and they simply stop being thankful for each other. If you want to destroy the rot, you have to become thankful. If you want to destroy the rot, you have to be a worshiper. So here's the thinking of what destroys the rot. You're going to have to incorporate worship and thanks into your life. And if you don't worship daily, my opinion, and give thanks consistently daily, you're well on your way to being a pinhole in the middle of the caulk of your life that will rot you over time. You ever found yourself, let's take church. We'll just lump us. We're, we're church people. You go to a church. It's like, oh, I love it. This is the best church ever. Oh, Jesus. But over time, he's weird. I don't like those people. They're mean. 
They haven't called. They, the first day you walked in, oh my God, the Holy Ghost is here. The Spirit is here. The presence of the Lord is here. And over time, it's like, oh, and so is he. Oh, gosh. <laughs> over time. It's why I always try to be very transparent and try to be translucent with you about my life because I don't want over time, over five years, 10 years, 15 years, you thinking I'm something that I've never even thought myself I was. Because over time, if you hang out here long enough, you're going to know this old boy. You're going to know my dorky little stories. You're going to know my weird sense of humor. You're going to know my little ADHD personality at times. It'll be talking to you and totally forget I'm talking to you and go talk to somebody else. You'll be like, he, I can't believe he just walked off. I didn't even know I walked off. I just did it. I, in the middle of a sentence, I just walked off. And you're like, why did he do that? You just go, bless his darling heart. He needs help. Now, I've trained myself over time to really try to pay attention. Like, you got about two minutes before my brain starts going. So you need, in that window of two minutes, you just need to go right for the gut. Don't chit-chat. Just come right up. Here's what I need to know. I need to know it now. Can you give me an answer right now? And I'll be like, yes, there's your answer. I love you. Bye. But if you walk up, how's the dog? Oh, Lord, the dog. Dog's fine. By the time I'm three minutes in, my brain's in Timbuktu somewhere. Now, I've had to train myself. I've had to train myself to learn how to take my personality and learn how over time to work with it and manage it and take responsibility for it and not use it as an excuse. But what I do know is if you're not careful, you'll quit being thankful. She'll irritate you. That little personality quirk she has. You want to see that God can do miracles? Watch me and Robin get along. Crazy, wild, let's go today, personality, fun, go happy, lucky with we're going to analyze it to the core. <laughs> hate analyzing. Why can't we just pack the bags and go? Why do we have to know what size bags? How long? What will the weather be like? Do we have the right toothpaste? Do we, oh, we can buy toothpaste when we get there. Why do we have to know all this stuff? Why can't we just jump in the car and just go off into the wind? Our children are grown. She's like, who's going to feed the dogs? They can make it for a few days without us. They're animals. <laughs> Two totally different personalities. But guess what? The moment she starts not liking who I am, can't believe I'm just married to a guy right in the middle of a conversation. She even said, the other night, she said, I said, honey, why are you in the bed reading a book? She's in the bedroom reading a book. She said, well, she says, because you're in the other room. I said, yeah, I would like you in the room with me. Like we could, you read your book. And she said, well, the reason I can't read my book in the room with you is because I like calm. Do I need to say anything else? <laughs> she said, I can't do the banjo and Andy Griffith and word feud and you practicing Spanish all at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, I know, because that is true. I'll have, I'll have Andy Griffith going. I'll be picking my guitar. I'll be playing my dad in word feud as the words come in. And on this, I'm over here going, uh, estoy aprendiendo a hablar español. Cada día aprendo un poco y practico mucho. No, 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 no. She's like, honey, I just cannot do that. 
And I'm like, why, woman? I can't believe God wouldn't give me a woman that could just sit here and enjoy the banjo. She's like, I hate the banjo. The twingy, 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 twingy drives me nuts. Well, maybe you ought to go to God and take that up with the Lord because I'm anointed woman. <laughs> oh, you know what? She just can boldly say, I hate banjo. And I can boldly say, that's okay. And she boldly says, I'm going to go where it's quiet. And I boldly say, I'm going to turn it up louder. But, <laughs> but do you know why we're happy and we go on dates all the time and we're wonderfully? Is because I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful God gave her to me. I'm thankful she's an analyzer. Dear God, could you imagine me married to somebody who's not an analyzer? You'd be like, they've moved again? What do you mean they went to Australia and they can't get home? He's our pastor. I don't know. He got over there and forgot to get round trip tickets. We can't figure it out. Where are they staying? We don't know. Last week, all we know there's on a bus. Well, so if you want to have longevity of freedom, you got to learn to be thankful. If you want to be in this church a long time, you better get thankful. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody's going to do something you don't like. Somebody's going to say something. I might irritate you some. Welcome to the world. We all get brackets. Grab it on and just go, hey, it's okay. Over time, I'm going to keep being thankful. So if you're not thankful right now, if there's a, is there this thing in your life that's irritating you about your spouse or a friend or a job or your children and you stop being thankful, just know this, you might not be rotten yet, but there's cracking caulk. Start being thankful. Here's number two. Dead words rob you of freedom. So many people just dead words. Listen to these. I'm going to give you three scriptures, mind-blowing scriptures. Watch your words, hold your tongue, and you'll save yourself a lot of grief. Might not be the devil that's your grief. Might not be your husband that's the problem. It might just be that you don't watch your words well. You curse yourself. You speak death over yourself. Everything you say is just causing more and more grief. I hate this house. I can't believe this. I don't even like... And all of a sudden, you begin to release it, and what happens is a spirit of grief begins to come in on you. Oh, it's not the devil. It's your words manifesting. I feel like the devil's in the house right now. Honey, it's not the devil in the house. It is your words that have created an atmosphere of the demonic. Because with or without the devil, dead words produce dead things. That is a kingdom principle, not a devil principle, a kingdom principle. So there's a lot of dead stuff we're blaming on the devil. It's not the devil. It's a kingdom principle operating of rot. Your words have created rot. It's why Robin and I never, ever, ever use the word divorce. Never. Zero. Never. That word will never, and she'll tell you too, that word never comes into our home. I don't care how upset we are, how analytical you are, how, how superficial I am with my personality. Never, never will we use that word. We will not let that death in our home. I'm not letting that dead stuff in my home. Listen to this scripture. Careful words make for a careful life, but careless talk ruins everything. Ruins everything. Your dogs, your marriage, your children, careless talk. Not the devil ruins it. Your mouth. 
This is the most pop. Maybe I'll do a series on the mouse. And it'll blow your mind. Not me. That just that thinking of the power that sits right here. The power that sits in your mouth. Here's the next one. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose it. So maybe again, I've harped on this three or four times. Maybe again, we need to stop blaming the devil and look in the mirror and open your mouth and look inside and start recording everything you say. And go back and listen to it and go, man, maybe, dear Lord. I just can't stand the way I look, fat, ugly, don't like who I am. Well, no wonder. You're rotting yourself over time. That's why you don't like yourself, honey. That's why you don't like your body. That's why you don't like your breasts. That's why you don't like the way God made you. That's why you don't like your forehead. That's why you don't like... Because you look in the mirror every single day and you curse yourself by saying, I just hate the way I look. Oh, I'm just so fat. I'm just so this. And over time, not the devil, not Twinkies... Over time, your mouth, over time, becomes a seed that produces rot. And everybody around you is going, my Lord, honey, you are beautiful. You are gorgeous. And you're looking in the mirror going, God, I hate myself. I hate the way I look. I'm just so... Because you've reaped your mouth. You want to have a good marriage? Look at your spouse and go, come here, you little good-looking thing. You, I love you. We have the best marriage of anybody on the planet. Nobody. We're going to make other people jealous of who we are. We're going to love each other so much, they're going to ask us to do a YouTube channel rather than you sitting home following everybody, scrolling how they're faking their marriage, wishing you had one. You scrolling everybody else's happy date night is doing nothing for you. Your marriage is rotting. You can like it. You can wish for it. You can hope that God would send you somebody. It's right here. Put it down. God, I thank you. My marriage is going to be awesome and wonderful and incredible. And I thank you. And the moment you start becoming thankful, the moment you start worshiping, the moment you begin to speak life, rot just begins to dissipate. It's like bringing a construction fellow over and he just starts pulling all the rot off. It's going to hurt at first. And the first thing we're going to ask that anybody would ask is how much it's going to cost me. Oh, before you fix, here's the deal. That was my question when I brought somebody over to check the rot. Look at it, come back, give me a price of what do you think is going to fix all this rot? He goes, I'll get back with you, give me a few weeks. All right, you got a few weeks. Now, here's what I know. No matter what price he sends me back, if I like it or don't like it, it doesn't matter if I like it. If I don't like it and choose it, it will cost me more a year from now. Because the longer I ignore it because I don't want to invest to fix it, it becomes worse and now costs me double or triple or $30,000 because i got to rip the whole thing off and build a new one. So right now there may be a little bit of rot, but if you're not willing to invest to stop it 10 years down the road, it's going to cost you a lot of not getting along and arguing and lawyers and fighting and sleeping in separate rooms and... Poison, you get to choose it. What do you want to eat? Poison or fruit? The third scripture. Or here's, amazingly, this is a Dr. Habib Sanji. 
I stole this from him <laughs> as a quote. Amazingly, it makes no difference whether the information is true or false. The only thing that matters is how often we're exposed to it. Research from the University of California at Santa Barbara clearly shows that a weak message repeated twice becomes more valid than a strong message heard only once. This is not biblical. They just did this as a study in a university. Even one repetition has the power to change your mind. So what you listen to over and over and over in a thought, what you say over and over and over has the power. Whichever one you say the most will outride and win. That's not, that, that, that's not even a biblical thing. They just did a study that if you want to watch your marriage get better, begin to speak life over it and watch what will happen. It'll change everything. It'll change everything. Here's the next one. This is going to sting a mite. Incorporating life-giving words into your daily routine is the next step of rot. I'll give you a practical thing to do. Write a confession. Write down words of praise. Write down everything you're thankful for. And every time you're irritated, pull that thing out and be going, no, 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 here's what I'm thankful for. Bah, bah, bah. And you begin to speak life. You begin to speak over your spouse. You begin to speak over your children. I will never again speak death over myself. I will never, because here's what happened to this old boy. This is, this is before y'all knew me. Some of you knew me, but most of you didn't. This old boy had it all together. I was doing very well by standards of the world. I was shepherding two churches. Pretty much if you're in the business world, I had made it to the top. I was pretty successful. And it just took one little rot. You don't really make a difference. All your preaching doesn't really matter. You preach every week. Nothing's happening. Nobody cares. But over time, that one thought... I don't even know why you do this. It doesn't matter. They could all get along without you anyway. That turned into, I just wanted to turn the wheel and end it all. That led into, your wife doesn't love you. She can't stand who you are. Your personality irritates her. Y'all will never make it. You're so polar opposites. Your marriage is never going to work. You know she just tolerates you. She doesn't really love you because you know you're not going to. See, here's what's happening. The little crack right here starts rotting over time. And then suddenly I'm looking in the mirror. I hate my, I don't like myself. I wish I wasn't this way. I wish my personality wasn't this way. I wish I could pay attention better. I wish I could, I wish I wasn't funny. I wish I wasn't stupid. I wish I didn't do dorky things. I, I wish I was more astute in the pulpit. I wish I didn't come with this weird personality. I wish I could be more like Charles Stanley or Andy Stanley and very stoic. And, and it just, I don't even like who I am in the pulpit. I, my feet are a little pigeon-toed. My belly's a little thing. I just literally look like a ballerina when I stand up here with a hunchback shoulders and a big forehead. I mean, you just start eating yourself up. You don't even like who God made you to be. You don't even enjoy what he's called you to do because over time you start rotting. Over time the thought starts rotting. You don't like who you are. You don't like what you're called to do. Your marriage is not working. Nobody really cares. Why don't you just kill yourself? Why don't you give it all up? And for those of you that know the story, I will spare you any details. It became a disastrous moment in my life. All because I didn't caulk the hole. Now, at 57...
Not in front of you. I just like who I am. My little ballerina feet. My little pudgy belly that likes a donut occasionally and has to explain to John why. My dorky personality. I even would go to my own church if I wasn't pastoring it. I just, I like me. I look in the mirror and go, I like who God made me. I like that I'm a little dorky. I like that I can kind of, you know, sort of kind of get a little crass. I just, I just like who God made me to be. Now, it took me a while to get there. But I realize if I don't get there, I'm going to rot again. So now I just walk in and go, well, I love who God made me to be. If you don't love who God made me to be, I will help you find a church where you can find somebody that you love them. You want to hang out with me? We can love life together. I'll love who God made you to be. Analytical people are welcome. ADHD people are welcome. We just love you all. That's the beauty of church. But I rotted because I didn't stop it. And it cost me a high price because I played with the rot over time. And by that, I mean an unthankfulness and a negative thought and negative words. Here's the last one. Oh, Jesus. Some of you need to start deleting right now. You need to start blocking some folk. They are ruining your life. Decaying friends. Here's what the Bible says about these. And it's easy to go, no, don't judge people. I won't. I'll just read the Bible. <laughs> but I'm saying you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine when a friend who claims to be a Christian is promiscuous meaning they'll have sex before they get married. They're a little lewd and sexual. Or they're crooked. They cheat you. They, it's just a flip with God or rude to their friends. They get drunk. Oh, no, it's not an opportunity to post the picture and go, well, we got a little crunk. I mean, everybody drinks a little much every now and then. Or becomes greedy or predatory. You can't just go along with this. Treating it as its acceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for what outsiders do, but don't we have some responsibility for those that are inside our own community of believers? Do you understand if we're not careful, just one person can rot us? Just get a negative friend and watch what they'll do to you. Oh my God, I'd have left him a long time ago. You put up with that? I don't know why you go there. I, I mean, just, just one negative person. Now watch what this verse says. It, it's even hurt, more hurtful. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like a cancer. As in the case of Hymenaeus. That's, that sounds like he had cancer. And Philetus. They left the path of truth. They claim the resurrection of the dead's already occurred in this way. Look, they've turned some people away from the faith. Some of us work in some very harsh environments. That's okay. We're, we're part of the world. We go. But be careful when you befriend those people. And I'm not talking about kind to them. I'm not talking about sitting down and paying for a meal. I'm not talking about going out of your way to love on them. I'm talking about you invite them into your personal environment of space and you check mark their life of lost, loose living. But they claim to be saved, but they're no more saved than Judas Iscariot himself. You say, well, we don't need to judge those people. I don't. The Bible does. The Bible says don't even eat with them. Don't even felt. They will rot you to the core. 
And here's what's strange. Over time, I rarely see a Christian having a greater impact than a sinner when they befriend each other. It's usually the sinful behavior that wins out in the Christian compromises because bad company corrupts good morals. I wish it was the other way. Good company helps bad people. Nope. Bad hurts the good. Now, I know that hurts because we, we get a lot of friends like, well, we should just love people. We shouldn't be judgmental. I understand all that. I'm just simply saying, if we're not careful, they can turn you away. And you'll become less of a Christian and you'll, you'll not walk in freedom. You'll walk in addictions. You'll walk in bad habits. You'll compromise a lot. Here's the final. Become wise by walking with the wise. If you hang out with a fool, you watch your life fall to pieces. Dear Lord, dear Lord, hang out with a fool. Okay, explain fool. Don't have a lot of time to go here, but if you want to know what a fool is, a fool is somebody who doesn't fear the Lord or his wisdom. So all you got to ask yourself, how many of your friends you hang out with don't really fear the Lord and do his wisdom? Oh, they love God. They may go to church and read their Bible. Do they fear the Lord? For the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. And a fool despises wisdom. So when he says you'll hang out with a fool, meaning this, if you're not careful, you'll put yourself with people who don't do God's life, God's wisdom, or God's ways, and your life will fall to pieces when you try to think that's the way it goes. And that's a hard life to live. Here's the final result. You need to incorporate the right friends in your life and eliminate the cancerous friends because that eliminates the rot. And I know I'm not going to, I'll teach this in the top of the year, but this whole thing of now don't judge me, okay, I won't, but the Bible judges all of us of the way we need to be living. Here's my conclusion of the day if you want to check the rot in your life. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up and have a moment with the Holy Spirit. But in a moment of just you reflecting on what's been said, Is your mind dark today? Have you stopped being thankful? Has a negative thing got in and you... Are your words sour? Are they rotten words? Are you saying things that if God recorded it and paid it back, you might want to check that again? And some of you are playing with the wrong playground. They're hurting you. Their advice hurts you. You've befriended the wrong thing. They're not stretching your faith. They're ruining it. Would you stand up with me and bow your heads?